Welcome to Damn Good Movie Memories with your host, Ryan Davis. This podcast is the cure for your long commute and super boring work day. Did you ever kill anybody? I hurt somebody's feelings once. Five professionals. Oh, I know you. I don't think so. It's a small world. Not in my experience. Hired for a mission. This is what we're after. To recover a package. We need to take it intact from several men who will be intent on preventing us. Nice. My kind of job. That some are willing to die for. Relax, darling. Just a game. Could you take a picture of me and my wife? Get the background. Guy goes for the case. Other guy's protecting the principal. Oh, they're good. And everyone is willing to kill for. I want $100,000. I want it up front. I want another 100000 when you get the case. All good things come to those who wait. Target is on the way. We've gotten the word. We're moving. Come on, let's go. You don't want to go in there. Get out of here. Walk away. Walk away. Let's go! How did you know it was an ambush? That's the first thing they teach you. Who taught you? I don't remember. That's the second thing they teach you. We've made a good plan, and we're going to stick with it. What's this girl work for? Are you afraid? Of course I'm afraid. You think I'm reluctant because I'm happy? Who are our employers? I'm not under any obligation to let you know. If you are not, then the price has got to go up. It's not going to happen. The girl sold us out. We're following the wrong people. In the car! From director John Frankenheimer. Robert De Niro, Jean Reno, Natasha McElhone, Stellan Skarsgård, Sean Bean, and Jonathan Price. I won't hurt you. Ronin. You worried about saving your own skit? Yeah, I am. Covers my body. Hey there, it's Brian Davis, and for this week's episode, we're going to cover the movie Ronin from 1998. The studios were United Artists and MGM. The release date was September 25th, 1998. The running time, 121 minutes, and it was rated R. The budget was $55 million. The box office took in $41.6 million, making it the 48th ranked movie of 1998. Rotten Tomatoes gives it 69% fresh from 70 reviews. Their consensus is Ronan earns comparisons to The French Connection with strong action, dynamic road chase scenes, and solid performances. Roger Ebert at the time gave it 3 out of 4 stars. Here's his review. Ronan is essentially bereft of a plot. There's an explanation at the end, but it's arbitrary and unnecessary. Ronan is really about characters, location, and behavior. I enjoyed the film on two levels, for its skill and its silliness. The actors are, without exception, convincing in their roles, and the action makes little sense. Consider the Stellan Skarsgård character, who is always popping out his laptop computer and following the progress of chase scenes with maps and what I guess are satellite photos. Why does he do this? To affirm to himself that elsewhere something is indeed happening, I think. John Frankenheimer is known as a master of intelligent thrillers, like The Manchurian Candidate from 1962 and 52 Pickup. And his films almost always have a great look. There is a quality in the visuals that's hard to put your finger on, but that brings a presence to the locations, making them feel like more than backdrops. 
Here, with a fine cast, he does what is essentially an entertaining exercise. The movie is not really about anything. If it were, it might have really amounted to something, since it comes pretty close anyway. The screenplay credits conceal the presence of hired hand David Mamet, who reportedly wrote most of the final draft, and who gives the dialogue a deadpan professional sound. For a little more, maybe he would have thrown in a plot. And that's the end of Ebert's review. Now, I saw Ronin in the theater when it was first released and absolutely loved the car chase scenes. As Ebert mentioned, the plot is a little convoluted at times, with many MacGuffins, as Hitchcock liked to do in his films to keep you guessing. But the acting and the action really is terrific, and the film is often forgotten in Robert De Niro's filmography. All right, let's get into the making of the film. So by 1997, director John Frankenheimer had been directing films since the early 1960s and felt he still had the chops to make a modern, fast-paced action film like Ronin. And he wasn't a stranger to action films because he had directed the sequel to The French Connection, Black Sunday, and 52 Pickup. And specific to car chase scenes or racing scenes, he directed the 1966 film Grand Prix. Frankenheimer also loved having free reign from the Paris government that allowed for fabulous action scenes throughout the various locations. Most of these types of action films are always in places like New York or Chicago or San Francisco, but this is what makes Ronin unique. Part of the reason this film was well received were that the stunts and the car chase scenes are extremely well done. And that is part of the charm with using real stunt actors and not relying on CGI. See, today's films rely too heavily on computerized stunts that are cheaper, but make the films look sterile. And there's a charm to real people doing real stunts. And that's what appears in Ronin. One of the very cool things about some of the driving scenes is the unique way the stunts were performed, as a stunt driver was put into the open trunk of a vehicle, and that was the person driving the car. But when you watch the film, it looks like the actors are navigating throughout the streets. It's really ingenious. This is only for certain shots. Obviously, for far-range shots, the stunt driver was in the car the entire time. Natasha McElhone was thrilled to play a key role in the film as she's allowed to be the centerpiece to the main job that is occurring throughout the film. Her prior roles did not allow that sort of protagonist role. Her most notable film, though a smaller role, at that point was in The Truman Show with Jim Carrey. French actor Jean Reno was best known to American audiences for his role in the 1994 film Leon the Professional with Gary Oldman and Natalie Portman in her acting debut. He kept his stock high appearing in French Kiss with Meg Ryan and Kevin Kline, the first Mission Impossible from 1996 with Tom Cruise, and then Godzilla in 1998. Now, I could do an entire podcast just on Robert De Niro, so I'm not going to go through his history. You probably already know it. Alright, let's get into the film. So it begins with the following message. In feudal Japan, the warrior class of samurai were sworn to protect their liege lords with their lives. Those samurais whose liege was killed suffered a great shame, and they were forced to wander the land, looking for work as hired swords or bandits. These masterless warriors were no longer referred to as samurai. They were known by another name. Such men were called ronin. The film takes place in Paris, and we see Sam, played by Robert De Niro, monitoring a bistro, and then a woman named Deirdre, played by Natasha McElhone, walks into the bistro and begins working behind the bar area. Next to enter the bistro is Vincent, played by Jean Renault, and he orders a beer from Deirdre. Another man keeps staring at Deirdre named Larry, played by Skip Sudeth. Sam decides to walk in a secluded area near the restaurant and takes a gun from his pocket and hides it behind some crates. Sam then walks into the bistro. Then he orders a drink and heads to the bathroom. At first, Sam acts like he only speaks French, but it becomes apparent that all the players I mentioned are to meet up. 
The bistro closes, and they all get into a van. What were you doing back here? Lady, I never walk into a place I don't know how to walk out of. Then why would you get into that van? You know what I mean. Sam grabbed his hidden gun before getting into the van. The van arrives at the warehouse where two other players are introduced. Spence, played by Sean Bean, and Gregor, played by Stellan Skarsgård. Deirdre says to call it a night, and the instructions of the job will be given the next day. Sam is awakened by Vincent in the morning. You labor or management? If I was management, I wouldn't have given you a cigarette. I am the tour guide. Over there is the Eiffel Tower. Over here, the Louvre. Over there, the toilet. <laughs> what do I call you? My name is Vincent. Sam. As per the agreement, your salary will be 5000 a week with a minimum of four weeks' work. On the successful completion of the mission, you will each receive a bonus of $20,000. And by the way, my name is Deirdre. The broad outlines of the mission are... For your are principles. For you, there's no one but myself. Huh? And what can we infer from your charming Irish lilt? Oh, anything you like. Where's the... where's the equipment? Tell me what you need, make a list and give it to Vincent. Well, some of the equipment is quite technical. If it's in Paris, I'll find it. This is what we're after. We need to take it intact from several men who will be intent on preventing us. How many men? You American? I think the group would be quite small, between five and eight, no more than eight. They would think you don't know for sure. I don't know now, but I will know before the event. If you don't know, why do you say between five and eight? Because there's two to three cars, the group's traveling. They're not in Paris? No. Where are they? You'll find out soon enough. What's in the case? Our plan, in the broad strokes, is an ambush. It's to hit the car, to take them in transit. Transit? City? Country? Right now, as I said, I don't know. But we have to move very quickly. We have to improvise. We'll start with this. Ambush and assault on two to three vehicles, five to eight men. And our objective is the safe retrieval of this case. Tell Vincent what it is you'll need. Well, what do we know about them? Are they French? Where are they from? Who are they? All you need to know right now is that they're very unpleasant. You've done this kind of thing before? No. How difficult can it be? We have no idea how these men will be armed. Well, we'll assume they'll be very well armed indeed. Where are we going and how are we getting back from there? It'll be in France and the group will disband at the RV point. Qu'est-ce qu'elle a dit là? Elle a dit qu'après ce chapeau pour soi, c'est un terme militaire. Larry, can you tell Vincent what it is you'll need? Something very fast, RDS-8, something that can shovel a bit. I'm going to have it for you by the afternoon. I'm also going to need a nitrous system. I've got the, I've got the specs. What do you use? Weapons-wise. Hmm? Weapons. I'm a, I'm a weapons man. Weapons man? Yeah. <laughs> okay. They tend to settle the argument. So what are you favor? Well, you know, it's a toolbox. I don't care. You put the tools in for the job, that's all. What? Well, you know, I actually favor the old 1911. 45. Old gun. Served my country well. Long time. <laughs> Your country. Not done too well, though, have you? 
Must be worse. Perhaps not, but at least we don't go around whining about it. You ex-military? No, I got my job to the New York Times. To this bone mill, dude. No, me not in the ming. Shit, this goes boom. You ex-military? The boys at Hereford? I'm sorry, but I'd like to do it backwards. The line of retreat is... She just told you. Me back at the RV, disband. I understand. I'm just trying to get a, a vague notion of the opposition. I mean, we're, we're setting out the close and minor mosque over here, and I... Who and how many are going to be coming after us? You worried about saving your own skin? Yeah, I am. Covers my body. <laughs> As the introduction title cards hinted at regarding samurai, who were no longer affiliated with the group, all the players in this operation are from different parts of the world, but all specialists in their field and all work for themselves. Since it's easier to give a recap now instead of later on, Sam is ex-CIA. Vincent is a French hitman. Deirdre is with the Irish Republican Army, the IRA. Spence is a weapons expert and a British Special Air Service member. Gregor was formerly with the KGB and a computer expert. And Larry is a driving specialist from the U.S. Segregation. What? Methods to withstand interrogation. You've done that? We were taught. Hold out indefinitely. Nobody can hold out indefinitely. Uh, is that so? Yeah. Everybody has a limit. I spent some time in interrogation. Once. They make it hard on you? They don't make it easy. Yeah, it was unpleasant. I held out as long as I could. All the stuff they tried. You just can't hold out forever. Impossible. How'd they finally get to you? They gave me a grasshopper. What's a grasshopper? See, it's a uh, two-part gin, two-part brandy, one-part creme de menthe. Uh, oh, fuck you, Francis. Can you find this place? Of course. You know it. That's where they want to do the exchange. You're doing the exchange for cash? Aye. You know these people? My people know them. Your people have done business with them before, or these people just gave your people a number? Larry. Okay. If we're gonna do it, let's do the goddamn thing right. Hey! I'm busy. Okay, come on, let's go. The answers to your questions, I'll know when I get back. I'll go with you. Go with them. The first rendezvous is to meet two men in exchange for weapons. Spence takes the lead, though he's clearly out of his league and far too anxious to be leading a deal, especially when not all the weapons are in the car like expected. The other men say to come along with them, which seems like a trap. Yeah. Okay, give me give me some of the money. Give me some of the money. Okay. You aren't going in there. Yeah, I'm going in there. So are you. Why am I going in there? Why? To protect me. There is no protection there. Come on, we're fishing a barrel. What are you doing? Why do they want you in there? What are you, crazy? You know, you think too hard. 
Nobody ever told me that before. But I wouldn't go in there. What is it, sir? I don't like it. Look at it. Okay, okay. Okay, let's just do it. Let's just do it and be done, yeah? You don't want to go in there. I'm getting paid to go. It's that simple. Okay, come on, let's go. If everything goes down, get next to one of those guys. If there's a sniper, he'll be afraid to shoot his own guy. Let's go! All right. Sam saw a sniper hiding on the bridge and opened fire. Nobody was hit from the main four guys, and they all got the weapons as they planned, but needed to flee as the police are in pursuit. It's also clear that Spence isn't ready to be a lead for a major job if he can't even pull off a routine exchange. He then vomits after Larry evades the police. We then see Deirdre meet covertly with a man named Seamus, played by Jonathan Price. He informs Deirdre that the Russians are also interested in obtaining the metal briefcase, and they need to act immediately. What's in the case? That information isn't necessary. Is it heavy? Is it explosive? Is it chained to some unlucky bloke's wrist? We're gonna have to chop it off? I mean, All well, right. What is it? But I'm not under any obligation to let you know. If you are not, then the price has gotta go up. I'll get you the case, but the price has gotta go up. If it's gonna be amateur night, I want $100,000. I want it up front. I want it in a bank account. I want another 100,000 when you get the case. <clears throat> okay. We've got shooters. Here. Shooters here. I'll tell you an old trick. Hey. What's your problem? Draw it again. Draw it again. You're the ace field, man. Draw it again. Just a simple diagram. Just draw it again. Draw what you saw. Draw it again. Draw it again. Two shooters. 
Car comes through here. Shooters across from each other, kill each other dead. Oh my, where'd you learn that? Huh? In a regiment. What regiment was that? The 22nd Special Air Service. What's the color of the boathouse at Hereford? What's the color of the boathouse at Hereford? I don't like your attitude. What's the color of the boathouse. Well, fuck off! What? You got the gun, I'm on arm. Do something. Go ahead, do something. Do something. Tell me about an ambush. Tell me about an ambush. I ambush you in a cup of coffee. You'll get your money when we get the kiss. The others too. That is what I understood. Come on, we've gotten the word. We're moving. It's obvious Spence is going to be an issue because he's a blowhard and could get everyone killed. Deirdre pays Spence his cash and tells him that his services will no longer be needed and to forget that he ever met anyone involved. The team heads to Nice for the next step in the plan and to do some recon and stake out the hotel where the briefcase will be. Sam and Deirdre act as a married couple and engage in some subterfuge where Sam takes pictures of the security men holding the briefcase in order to better plan the heist. Sam believes two more men are needed to pull off this heist, but Deirdre is adamant they must pull off the job with who they have. Sam and Deirdre decide to do a bit more scouting at the villa, where the security team is later that evening. So how'd you get started in this business? A wealthy scoundrel seduced and betrayed me. Same with me. How about that? So who are those guys inside? You tell me. Uh, Ex-military, northern, so block, somebody or other. I need a job, that's my excuse. Is it? At first, the two kissed to avoid any suspicion from the police, but the kissing continued after the patrol car drove by. The next day, this is when the heist is to take place, as four security town cars are guarding the case. This involves the stoplights being hacked by Gregor, while the heavily armed Sam and Vincent take out the security. This leads to a terrifically filmed high-speed chase throughout the Nice countryside. Larry is strategically placed to take out one of the security cars by ramming it off the road. All that is left in the main car is with the briefcase. Larry then pursues the main security car through downtown Nice along with Sam and Vincent. All the while Gregor and Deirdre guide them by tracking the briefcase through radar. Eventually a huge gun battle occurs. 
Gregor takes the real briefcase but swaps it out with another and says he's been shot. Sam notices that the case that Gregor gives to him has fresh paint on it and he knows it's a fake and quickly tosses it away and then it explodes. Larry is wounded and Sam, Vincent, and Deirdre escape before the SWAT team gets them. Seems like Gregor has double-crossed the team. They hide out in a small hotel and try to patch up the badly wounded Larry. Deirdre believes Gregor is going to sell the case to the Russians, which is exactly what he tries to do. The Russian handler and Gregor try to double-cross each other, with Gregor eventually killing the Russian guy and taking the money, though most of it was fake, along with the case. Alright, there's about an hour left in the film and plenty more action and espionage to get through, along with some more awesome car chase scenes. Along with many questions I'm sure you have if you haven't seen the film. Like, what exactly is in the damn case? Or do we ever find out? And what is the end game for all the players involved? And will Gregor even be caught? Sam, of course, says it's about money, but is it? You'll find out in this excellent heist thriller that is often forgotten by fans of De Niro, but shouldn't be. Possibly because it's more of an ensemble film, not just De Niro on its own. And if you're wondering about the meaning behind the Ronin title, here's a clip. The 47 Ronin. Do you know it? The 47 Samurai, whose master was betrayed and killed by another lord, they became Ronin, masterless samurai, disgraced by another man's treachery. And for three years they plotted, pretending to be thieves, mercenaries, even madmen that I didn't have time to do. And then one night they struck, slipping into the castle of their lord's betrayer, killing him. Nice, like that, my kind of job. There's something more. All 47 of them committed seppuku, ritual suicide in the courtyard of the castle. Well, that I don't like so much. But you understand it. What do you mean I understand it? The warrior code, the delight in the battle, you understand that, yes? But also something more. You understand there is something outside yourself that has to be served. And when that need is gone, when belief has died, what are you? A man without a master. Right now I'm a man without a paycheck. The run-in could have hired themselves to new masters. They could have fought for themselves. But they chose honor. They chose myth. They chose wrong. Seppu, Seppu, what? Yes, Seppuku. Disembowelment. Uh, the sword goes in here. <sighs> All right, a few fun facts. A total of 80 cars were destroyed during the filming. David Mamet, who worked on the film as a script doctor, said he rewrote a significant amount of the script, making major changes to the character and dialogue from J.D. Zellick's original. All right, we have two special guests. It's the dynamic duo of Metal Mike Tyler and Bill Roseberry. They talk about this underrated heist film. And then I'll be back next week to talk about yet another random movie from my DVD collection. All right, we are back with the dynamic duo of Metal Mike Tyler and Bill Roseberry. And we're going to talk about a movie that they have definitely seen, but I'm not sure if everyone's seen. Uh, and that is Ronin from 1998. Welcome back, boys. Good to be back. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us, Brian. I, I can't really think of, I always try and come up with like some funny, <laughs> funny thing, for every movie or some line to say, and this one is not really 
it's not really designed that way, so I couldn't. I didn't come up with anything to say this time. That's quite all right, and uh, we'll just get right into it. We'll start with Bill. Um, did you see this in the theater when it first came out? I don't believe so. I think I saw it on probably VHS and uh, right when it came out. I mean, mm-hmm. I saw it pretty quickly. I mean, when when you're talking my movie collection, there's three actors that I have the most of in my collection and it's Denzel Washington, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Robert De Niro. So, Mm -hmm. so yeah, anything that De Niro, especially at that time, I mean, I was all about it and I saw it and just wanted to see it right away. And man, Mm -hmm. I was not disappointed. I've always really liked this movie. I think it's really underrated. Yeah. And, and we talked about our, you know, all three of our loves of De Niro based on the raging bull episode. So Mike, I I think you did. You saw this in the theater with your dad. I, I believe I did. I think my dad wanted to see it. You know, he liked the premise of the film. He also was, a, tr- uh, you know, interested in the cast they had, you know, because he also likes Jean Reno a lot, even then, mm. you know. So it was like, yeah, let's, you know, let's go check this out, you know. And I was like, okay, Pop. So we went to see it, and we both really liked it. I do remember that. But it had been a long time since I'd seen this film, you know. I don't know why. It was just one of those ones I – yeah, you know, yeah. you know, it's just one of them things. I just didn't go back to it, man. So sure. watching it over again, watching it again with Bill is almost like watching it all over. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, you know, I dig it. It's a great movie, man. Uh, one of the best car chases in cinema. Absolutely, and that's why I like oh, doing yeah. this podcast. That's why I like doing this podcast because these are kind of forgotten gems that, uh, you know, there's so many movies. It's easy to forget. So it's also easy to forget that Ronan was released four years before The Born Identity. And you would mm-hmm, have yes. to think that the action, especially the car chase scenes, as you guys mentioned, had to be inspired by Ronan for the filmmakers of Bourne. What do you guys think? We'll start with Mike. I agree. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if it was the same people who the people who choreographed all the mm-hmm. the, 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 the uh, you know, chase scenes and, and Bourne Identity probably are the same people that did this movie. Right. It wouldn't surprise me if to find that. I'm not saying that is the fact, but it wouldn't surprise me if we were to find that out because it did remind me uh, um, quite a bit of it. I was like, whoa, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing a little bit of Bourne Identity here, you know. Um, of course, as, as badass as Sam is, I don't think he's as badass as Jason Bourne, but he's pretty <laughs> badass. Sure. What, what about you, Bill? Yeah, I would tend to agree. Uh, I I've always put this one up there. Um, you know, for me, uh, all the movies I've seen car chase wise, I think it's bullet one mm-hmm. French Connect two. And then, you know, Ronan and born identity are, are three a and three B. I mean, they're, yeah, they're great. The car that, chase in here. Great. There's something about those, those, those European roads. And I mean, mm. I've never been there, uh, but just watching a lot of film and stuff. They're so, they're so much more narrow. Um, a lot of the, the cities are so everything seems to be, you know, more compacted. I mean, claustrophobic. Sure. Man, it just it just makes for an awesome, awesome uh, scene. I think in the United States, I mean, they've had other other car chase movies and other things. And I think using New York for French Connection and mm-hmm. San go for for uh bullet you know what else would be a good one a car chase through the french quarter in new orleans there you go holy that shit would that would awesome. be amazing that would be, awesome. mm-hmm. be kind of like europe europe uh a european uh, uh car chase i think but oh for sure but yeah ronan ronan i think that i think going through through europe 
adds to the the drama and the suspense with it too so yeah it was great great scenes oh yeah yeah. total agreement there and and one of the other things i really appreciated about watching ronin today is knowing that these are real stunts being performed it's not sterile cgi and i really do miss top notch top notch stuntman because it's just a lost art today everything's a boring click of the the mouse because of cgi you know what do you think mike i agree with that i mean that's my problem you know i'm not an anti-cgi guy i think cgi is fine when it's appropriate I mean, if you're mm-hmm. especially when you're doing like, you know, comic book movies and stuff, I get mm-hmm. them using CGI, especially with some of them characters and stuff that transform. Sure. I get that. But I do think they've got way too reliant on it, just way too reliant on it. I like it when they have a good mixture of CGI and practical effects. Sure. And of course, real stunt work. There is something to be said for that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're going to use CGI, well, then just put the actor's face on the stunt double or something, you right. fucking douchebags. What's <laughs> wrong with you people in Hollywood? Anyway. I don't even Almost a mini bike, mini, mini. I'm meltdown. just saying, man, you know, I don't know. Hollywood's been pissing me off here lately. Oh, I, anyway. That's why I like going back to older films. And so, yeah, what I, do you think about that, Bill? Yeah, um, I'm sorry. What was the question? You know, I got I got I got uh, mesmerized by Mike's <laughs> meltdown. <laughs> well, in general, I, I think mesmerizing meltdowns. I like that. I yeah. like it. Triple M. <laughs> um, the thing about that older down. films, whether this the. Um, oh, the CGI. Special, yeah, yeah, whether the special effects are even, you know, they're obviously they're not as good as back then, but there's there's an honesty to it. And knowing, you know, you watch like some of the, you know, Hooper or some of those Burt Reynolds films, you know, they're actually stuntmen there. You know, these explosions are really going off. It's not a, like a mouse click. So I don't know. There's a certain charm to these movies where you knew that real people were doing them. You know, CGI and like Jurassic Park is, of is course, cool and, and things like that. But for something like this, I mean, uh, I like some of the Fast and the Furious movies, but that shit gets a little too ridiculous, you know? And I know they're using some of that CGI, using a lot of CGI. Oh, and yeah. Doing and, the, and all the and my, my beef with the superhero movies, they, they all look the same. They look exactly the same. They're all dark. They all look like they're molded from the same uh, computer program. And so, you know, he's way back when. Even if the action film didn't have top-notch special effects, they did look unique. Well, so, you know, yeah, I, I think part of the problem is here lately, because um, I've been hearing rumors like literally like these effects houses have basically told Disney and Marvel like, look, man, it, because they, dude, if you notice their output, if you kept, especially if you count everything they got on Disney Plus too, plus the movies they're putting out, yeah, they need they they need to do what what. DC's doing, you know, take the pedal off the gas, kind of regroup and kind of quality over quantity, guys. You know, I mean, that's how I feel about it. And I I think, you know, like them putting James Gunn in charge and Peter Saffron and making a DC films and and wait until I think, well, it might even be longer now because of the strike. But it's going to be a few years before we get that new Superman movie. Good, good, because I think they're yeah, not just that, but I think we need a break. I, I need oh, a fucking break, and I'm over- a comic book guy. I okay? know. I know. So think about that for a minute, ladies and gentlemen. Yep. So let's get back to the film. So I, you know, what the action's top notch, but I think the constant mystery in the plot is likely what most fans of this film remember the most. For you guys, was it the action or was it the mystery? And we'll go with Bill to start with. I think it's a little bit of both. I just <laughs> thought this film was really 
well done. It had an old school feel to it. Um, like you said, a little bit of Hitchcock. You got, um, mm-hmm. you know, not to give anything away, but the, you know, the MacGuffin of the yeah. page, really. I mean, there, that's not really what the, the, the whole movie's centered around this case, but it's not really anything of importance to the whole plot at the end of it. You know, it's no. just a MacGuffin. You don't ever even know what's in it, but that's right. Uh, you know, maybe it's uh, Marcellus Wallace's soul. Who knows? <laughs> but uh, anyway, you know that. And then just one thing I wanted to bring up before I forget about sure. this film that I really love about it. The first scene is the same scene as the last scene. Mm. The first scene is Robert De Niro walking down the stairwell to the um, diner where they're mm-hmm. all meeting to, to start figuring out about about this um, this big heist that they have going. Mm-hmm. And the last scene is John Renault walking up the stairs from the same diner. Mm-hmm. To, I mean, it, it just, it's almost like it was just a, they completed the whole movie. I mean, by doing that, there were just little things like that that, uh, that I really, really liked about it. It was just really well done. And when you look back at, at uh, John Frankenheimer, the, the director, I mm-hmm. mean, you see, this is four years before his death. Yes. Um, so this guy's got a career already. I mean, and so it's no surprise that he did, you know, did such a good job. This is his last great movie. I mean, he yeah. didn't rank games after this. Uh, you know, <laughs> Island of Dr. Moreau. Uh, but he he had one last good one in him with Ronan. Because, you know, back in the day, this is the guy that did the Birdman. Um, Alcatraz. And he did uh, French Connection 2. He did... Yep. Uh, Black Sunday. Uh, yeah, and uh, the, Manchur- the original Manchurian candidate. Yeah. In, uh, so uh, he's got just the train. I mean. Uh, well, here's one, that, here's one that Mike liked, 52 Pickup from the 80s. He did that. That's too. a great one, which is based on an Elmore Leonard novel. That's and it. I love the Manchurian candidate. I think that movie was so far ahead of its time. Yeah. 52 Pickup is, I, I've never That's seen that. that. It's great. It's right based on Elmore Leonard? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I would be all about that. I yeah, it's got Roy Schreider and and and, and Anne my, Margaret, my girl Anne Margaret, and, yeah, uh, one of my girls. I have many of them. Roy Schreider. Okay. Oh, I just clicked on. Huh. Yeah. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, I got yeah. Mike. I got Mike going on uh, on the Elmore Leonard kick right now. I got him starting to watch Justified. So and and uh, John Glover is the villain. Yep. It's, it's a damn oh. good movie. Very underrated movie too. I watched. I remember watching that on cable when I was a kid and just being blown away by it. Well, I got it on DVD, so eventually in the next forty years we'll talk about it, boys. And, and you, uh, yeah, you know what's funny about that though is because it had Anne Margaret. It was movies like that. I, that's where my crush on her came. It was when she was like she's this older, sexy older woman. Yep. And then my dad says, "Well, if you think," and, and my dad said, "Oh yeah, she's sexy, but check this out." And Viva Las Vegas. Yes. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh yes. my god!" That's Which, interestingly time. enough, yeah. just to tie it into nerd stuff, mm-hmm. the late great John Romita Sr., who was the second artist to ever do Spider Man. When he drew Mary Jane's introduction, they had kept her appearance a secret up until that point in the series, right? So when when Peter finally meets her, because he was trying to avoid her because Aunt May's trying to fix him, and he's like, oh, man, it's probably going to be some dog. When he finally meets her, face it, Tiger, you just hit the jackpot. He modeled Mary Jane after Anne Margaret. I believe it. That is, she is the perfect model for that character. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, if you think about it, I was like, oh, my God, yeah, That's it's her. so obvious, yeah. 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 So. Gives me a little pickle in my, or a little pickle in my pickle. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Maybe not anymore. I don't. Well, yeah, she's still pretty, 
pretty she good. She looks great. Oh, I remember man. the first thing I saw her was was Viva Las Vegas, and then I yeah. saw you know well, I seen her I seen her in Tommy, and I saw her in uh, Fifty Two Pickup, and I thought she was really pretty then, you know, and she was a middle aged woman at that time. Did you ever see Hot Carl, as Hell though? Did you ever see Carnal huh? Knowledge with uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Jack Nicholson yeah. and uh, uh, Candace Bergen. I, I watched that afterwards. Or okay. you know, I've never watched that either. I, in I, fact, I it was Cincinnati kid. I mean, she's yeah, hot. yeah, right. Um, I discovered kind of that a bitch movie. of that, but yeah, but I discovered that movie. I because again, when I was younger, man, and I really started getting into older films, I would just go on. I would have these like little festivals that I would do where I would, mm-hmm. you know, pick a movie star that I like, like a Humphrey Bogart or an Edward G. Robinson, and I would just or Steve McQueen, and I would just try to grab anything I could find of them. Yeah, me well, too. Cincinnati Kid was a f- no brainer. I'm like, oh my god, Steve McQueen and Eddie G. Robinson. Oh and yeah, then, and Margaret it was like, oh yeah, no brainer. Yeah. Well, this is what happens. We go on tangents, yeah. and that's totally yeah. okay. Uh, one thing. Sorry, guys. <laughs> no, this is great. So. Bill mentioned the MacGuffin and absolutely comes into play here. So did it bother you that it isn't revealed what's actually in the case? And we'll go with Mike first. Not really, because I figure whatever it was, it was very important. I think I think it was something to do with nuclear weaponry or something. Sure. I think Seamus was up to no damn good, um, you know, being the uh, part of the Irish Republican Army. And I. I definitely think he was kind of going rogue at that period in time when I know that if I remember right, Clinton, President Clinton, all that were really pushing for them to have peace and everything. Yep. And uh, so it was very topical at the time. But, yeah, it didn't really bother me. And the thing I love, the action was great, but all the little twists and turns and how people were trying to screw each other over and stuff. And and I mean, come on, man, Robert Gen- De Niro, John Renault, you can't go mm-hmm. wrong, man. Stellan Skarsgård is the bad guy. Can't go wrong. Bill, did it bother you? You didn't really find out what's in the the case. Not at all. It, and okay. I, I, just because of all the like all the twists and turns and in, in, in where this movie goes, and it's written so well mm-hmm. and the acting is so well that no, it doesn't. Um, it's not like as much as I love Pulp Fiction, I wanted to know what the hell was in there. Right. You know. But 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 in a way, I kind of like ambiguous stuff. Sure. You know, because it, it it's makes up to you. Think to your, yeah, it's done well, it's, you become yeah. If it's done well, that's what I'm saying. If it's done well, you get to kind of put your own thoughts into the story and come exactly. up with your own ideas. Yep. You know, uh, it's almost you're not like, that sackless piece of shit Cormac McCarthy who just <laughs> you know doesn't who's scared to write an ending. You know, I mean that's God. true too. Some for some people, it's a cop out. One thing I did notice watching this film and rewatching it, and, and we talked about this before we started recording it's a bit of a spoiler but maybe not i expected sean bean's character to reappear at some point even when i first saw this film but his character is almost treated like a red herring did you guys notice this too bill yes well you know i mean i absolutely and and i thought he was gonna come back um you know when the first time i watched it but after all these years i own this movie and i own Mm -hmm. another movie that sean bean's in where he also it, it, with the, the IRAs in, which is Patriot Games with mm-hmm. Harrison Ford. In that, he's the main bad guy. Yeah, I was getting confused, and, and I think anybody that hasn't watched these films for a long time, there, I guess there is a way you can you can get kind of confused there because I kept thinking that man, just the way he was set up, he just seemed like he was sure. They basically used him as a oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Red herring. <laughs> Yeah, he's a red herring. He's yeah. a, he is a red herring. I mean, yeah, right. 
was the yeah. he was the guy you're 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 looking over here. Oh, this is the guy we got to keep our eye on, and yep. and it wasn't the whole time. I mean, um, he's you know, a decoy, we, like it, like it, it's like a football play where you fake right. to one guy and go to the other. Yeah, yeah. I was a little, I was, I because like I said, it had been a while. But at the time when I went to see this movie, I saw it with my dad. I probably didn't think nothing of it because Sean sure. Bean wasn't as big a deal then. You know, mm-hmm. I well, mean, I think he had been in Goldeneye, bit. wasn't he? Didn't he yeah, well, Goldeneye it, before this? He did, and Patriot Games, as Bill mentioned, came out six years before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah, I mean, he he. Uh, yes, he had been a big part of the right. The, he was a bad guy in that, and part of the IRA. So, you know, here you are dealing with, you know, Natasha McElhone. Is that how you pronounce? McElhone or McElhone? McElhone, I, I think. Yeah, uh, some crazy uh, Irish name. Who cares? It's uh, McElhone or McElhone. Yeah, <laughs> McElhone. Whatever. Yeah. There anyway, we go. you figure I I figured you know Sean Bean had something to do with the IRA, obviously, yeah. Sure. And uh, the first time I watched it, and and because it had to do with just the assumption from seeing the Patriot game, so yeah. Um, but uh, again, that was some of the beauty of this this movie. You, you don't really know what's going on. That's what keeps you intrigued. Is like what's going to happen next? Yeah. Who's going to turn and. I didn't trust Stellan Skarsgård from the start either, though. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he he seemed like uh, he wasn't on the up and up either. But I didn't expect him to be that sinister, you know? Right. He, he looked a little shifty. Now, yeah. I think for, for most people, and I think we've already mentioned this, the main reason, at least initially, to see to, to check out this film was De Niro. I mean, you know, he's yes. starring in a film. Go check it out. However, it's a supporting cast that that kind of takes this home. It's truly accident. So what for Bill, you know, who are your favorite characters in this film? If you could limit it. Oh, Jean, Jean Renault. I mean, yeah. absolutely. I, I love, I love him. Um, love the professional. What a, what a movie. I mean, and Oh yeah. Uh, you know, he's so great in that. And him, he just, him and De Niro had such a chemistry together. He was absolutely my favorite. Um, maybe even my favorite character overall in the movie. Um, and then, uh, Skarsgård, I mean, Gregor was, was great too. I mean, he was such a dick. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, and then I think Jonathan Price is, is Seamus O'Rourke is, uh, with the IRA. He was, uh, he was also, uh, a great, great character in there too. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, those, those three were probably my, your favorite. Sean Bean sucked by the way. He was, he was <laughs> such a puss bag. I mean, I, I was, I, it was, it kind of kind of bothered me because I'm not used to seeing him playing a part like that. It, it was like, man, he, I mean, he just, I hate him in that movie. Yeah. He's just crap character. But well, that it, shows that he's a good actor. I mean, De, De Niro felt the same way in that film. So, you know, right? at least his character did. Mike, f- favorite, favorite characters in this. You know, I got to kind of more or less echo what Bill said, man. Uh, Jean Renault is Vincent. Just a great character, and like you said, the chemistry he had with Robert Nero, Sam, and then, um, man, Jonathan Price. I love that guy anyway. He's great in everything he does, and he's just so hardcore in this movie, man. It was like, damn. I mean, I mean, he does some evil shit in this movie. And so, of course, so does Gregor, man. I mean, still in Skarsgård. I mean, he he's great in everything he does. I even liked Natasha. I thought she was uh, really uh, an mm-hmm. intriguing character and how she kind of – you could tell her loyalties were torn, mm-hmm. you know. And I, I thought that was really cool. So, I, yeah, it's just a really cool film, man. I really liked it a lot. You know, well, I will throw it. Oh, go ahead. 
on Pierre too. The uh, yes, I was which, just about to say that. That's and, a dark horse. His little uh, his little part was really neat too. And yep. I mean, told the story of the Ronin. Yep. You know, kind of was yes. The, the, you know, basis of the name of the story. And I mean, he was a neat character too. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to mention, Michael Lonsdale, because he kind of ties everything together. Because at first you're like, what the hell does what what does Ronin mean? Uh, and he kind of pieces everything together. So I'm going to wrap up on this question, and uh, we'll, we'll we'll start with with Bill and uh, you know. I'm somewhat surprised there wasn't a sequel to this film since the ending definitely provides an opening for one. Uh, but without giving away the ending, if you were to create a sequel for this film, what would you do? And we'll, we'll go with Bill first. I'd probably take him to Ireland mm-hmm. and have him, uh, you know, digging deeper against the IRA. I mean, it's not, I don't think you're giving anything away. But no, no. IRA is a big part of this movie. And I mean, uh, no doubt. I think, I think that would have been, a cool way to take it, you know, go to their turf, you know, and, and, and continue looking into what, you know, what was going on there with the, with that MacGuffin and everything, all the, all the double crossing and everything that happened there. Yeah. I mean, and that's where you bring back Sean Bean. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. You could bring, yeah, you could bring him back. Yeah. Mike, what would you do? Man, my idea ain't near as cool. Um, I just have him, uh, you know, well, the idea I thought, cause I'm thinking, okay, this was made in 98, so would you do a direct sequel or would you just have – I don't want to give anything away, but – Prequel. Ooh, a prequel. Mm-hmm. Find out where, where the hell did these people come from, you know? You know that, that, that would be interesting too. Because they don't really have that. a backstory. No, not at yeah. all. Well, you know, because without giving anything away, a lot of them, especially Sam, he's in such a clandestine business that yes. you could kind of go in a lot of different directions yeah. mm-hmm. with his character. And, I mean if you really want to go prequel, you know – he he maybe he was involved with the Bay of Pigs if he asked. Yeah, perfect. I I think that actually was way more interesting than the sequel. To be honest, yeah, that's where I would yeah. go with it. Either that, I'd have him just killing Al Qaeda left and right. Oh, well, you could do that years <laughs> after nine eleven. Um, or he, nothing to do with the movie, Mike. Or or he crosses over with Jason Bourne. How about that? There you go. There you go. I'm just <laughs> saying, do with the movie. But if he's in the clandestine work that he's in, yeah. And after yeah. 9/11, it's only how many years? What five years? That's not that big of a time. It's uh, not period. You know. No. I mean, I'm just saying, dude. You know, after all, they've made some sequels to movies like what thirty something years later. It can no be- doubt. <laughs> it was only three years to 9/11 too, Mike. Oh, 2001. I'm, I was thinking 2003. Never mind. I'm I'm talking out of my ass. I'm tired. Well, at that point, I think it's a good time to wrap up. <laughs> we're not going to do math any longer. That's not what uh, I, I mean. It. I've done <laughs> enough math for today. <laughs> well, as always, thank you so much, guys. And uh, I know you're going to be back on real soon, but this was a lot of fun to talk about. Thanks, Brian. Always a pleasure, my friend. If you enjoy this podcast and are an iTunes user, please do the show a favor and head on over to the official iTunes page for damn good movie memories. Be sure to leave a rating and a review. This will allow the show to appear higher in the algorithm and spread the joy of this podcast to the masses. If you are not an iTunes user, you can still listen and subscribe on Podbean at damngoodmoviememories.podbean.com. Be sure to like us on Facebook under our Damn Good Movie Memories page. You can also listen to a limited number of episodes on YouTube. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and be sure to tune in next week for an all new episode of Damn Good Movie Memories. 